Let us pray. Our precious Father, we thank you again for the privilege we have to gather tonight to study your word. We trust you that by your spirit you will teach us and cause your word to have entrance into every hearer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we are continuing our topic, the things that are freely given to us. You know, in discussing our series, we need to understand that we have audiences outside of the U.S. We have audiences um, in so many other places of the world. And somehow we do get feedback from them. We do get phone calls from them. And uh, so that helps us to really be able to follow and make sure that we're speaking to everybody. Everybody, because everybody has a right to hear the word of God. So this topic is the things that are freely given to us. Our text is 1 Corinthians 2, 12. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Verse 13. Quit things also we speak, not of the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but quit the Holy Ghost, teach it, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. So last week, we saw that the first thing that we began to mention that we received as a result of our salvation, as a result of our salvation. If there was no salvation, we wouldn't receive nothing, absolutely nothing. Our salvation is the most important work that Christ did for us. Every other thing is coming from it. If you remove it, you, nothing. So every other thing is coming from it, and our salvation is not what men did for us. It's what God did on our behalf. This gift is what God gave us. So through these gifts, we can be exactly what, what God has in mind, for us. So now we're looking at the first thing we talked about was the gift of life. Now you understand the importance of life because a dead person, the most important gift you give to a dead person is life. A dead person, you're giving him a house and he's not there. So it's life. Once he receives life, then every other thing can be valid and relevant to him. So the Bible says we were all dead. When it means dead, it's not physical dead. It means that we are separated from the source of life, God himself. So Romans 5, 12 says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. It brought separation from God. Brought separation from God. So it brought death. So death spread to everyone. For everyone sinned. So with Adam's sin came death, separation from God, and death spread to everyone because of it. For all, everyone sinned in Adam. So we were dead, spiritually dead. And the only thing that God would do first is to give us life. Is to give us life. So the first thing, first gift we see is the gift of life, spiritual life, not natural life. But spiritual life. This is the first gift that salvation brought us. That God gave us in Christ. It 
came from Christ dying on the cross and our sins being forgiven and the blood washing us away and God was able now to walk with us and to give us a new life. If our sins were not forgiven, we will not receive nothing. 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 So this life came because God sacrificed his son, shed his blood, and washed us, took our sins away. Because the thing that caused trouble, separated us from God, was sin. And so God had to deal with it. You didn't deal with it. God deal, dealt with it through his son, Jesus Christ. And when he shed his blood and sacrificed himself, provision was made for forgiveness of sin for those who receive it. And as a result of that, life was imparted to us. So sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. Adam's sin brought death. But Christ's sacrifice brought life. Adam's sin brought death. Christ's sacrifice brought us that package of forgiveness and life. So life was offered. Forgiveness was offered. Life was offered. So when we make a conscious effort to accept Christ, we receive that life and forgiveness at the same time. So the first gift of salvation we're talking about is this is a gift of life. Of course, we have gifts of forgiveness, and we're going to talk all about that. But life is what we want to start with. So Jesus stated in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. So he came, stated the purpose is that these people who are dead will receive life, the life of God, bringing them back to God. That's what he stated. He said, this is why I came. Now, we need to look at life right from Adam. There are certain things we can glean from Adam that will help us understand this new life we even have received. Number one is we owe our life to God because God is the giver of life. Now I'm talking of natural life to start with. Even the natural life we have, we owe it to God. In Psalm 36, 9, for you are the fountain of life. God has always been the source of life, natural or spiritual. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. Christ came, he said, light is here. So you are the fountain of life. God is the fountain of life. So we owe our, even our natural life, to God. Entire humanity, we owe our life, our natural life, to God. Genesis 2 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. That's how life came. God is the fountain of life. 
So he formed man and breathed into him. His nostrils, the breath of life. So we all owe our life to God, the natural life I'm talking about now. Acts 17.25, neither is, is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Sin, he gave it to all life and breath and all things. All. All. Now you come uh, to believers who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. All believers, our spiritual life, the spiritual life we have, the, the spirit that we have was not formed like Adam was formed and was breathed into. Our, our creation was by God, by the Holy Spirit himself. It was not, we were not, the spirit was not formed from the earth. It was not formed from the earth. John 3, 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So we are born of the spirit. We are not formed like Adam was formed. I'm talking of our spiritual part now. We are not formed like Adam was formed in our spiritual being. We were born, we, 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 were, we proceeded from the spirit. We are born of the spirit. Now, in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So there's this new creation. We call it being born again. New creation so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. In Ephesians 4, 24, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, this new creature was created to be like God. Adam was formed from the earth. But this new creature was created by the Holy Spirit to be like God. Now, this, this new creature also own, owes his life to God. Adam and humanity owe their life to God, natural life. The new creature also owes his life to God. If you look at John 6, 33, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. This is spiritual life. And giveth life unto the world. 1 John 5, 11. And the testimony is this, that God had given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He, he who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. So the Son of God brought us this spiritual life that we now have. John 5, 26, for as the Father had life in himself, so he had granted the Son to have life in himself. Life is always a gift, whether natural or spiritual. Adam didn't do anything for God to give him life. Adam was formed and God gave him life. That was gift. He didn't, he didn't merit it. He didn't qualify for it in any way at all. Life has always been a gift from God. Has always been. And we need to understand this so that we'll be able to really begin to understand that the new life we have is also a gift from God. Because sometimes we think we worked for it. 
The temptation is to think, I do this to have it. What did Adam do to have life? Nothing. In the same way, God created you, gave you life in Christ. John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. You hear the gospel, you believe in it, you have life. That's all. Had everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. It's a gift. The gospel tells you that God is offering you life and forgiveness on the, on the, on the, on the merit of Jesus Christ. You accept it, it's free. Gift is free. It's a gift. The gift, the things freely given to us. It must, you, you must understand this very well. And let it register in your heart that life is a gift. Eternal life is a gift. The Bible says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's a gift. You don't work for it. You don't merit it. It's offered to you by the merit of Jesus Christ. You don't work for it. And so, because God gives life, it conveys to us an absolute dependence on God. Dependence even in your natural life and spiritual life. Absolute dependence on God. Because since we owe our ability to God to live, it means that the ability to get up, carry activities, is from God. The energy to, you use in the day and walk around is because you have life that God gave you. If that life is cut off, you're done. So we owe everything to God. We owe everything to God. Psalm 68, 35. God is awesome in his sanctuary. The God of Israel gives power and strength to his people. Praise be to God. He gives power and strength to his people. God has always been the source of power and strength and life. So we owe the strength we have, ability to God. That's why we must use it for his glory. Our Lord Jesus said it this way in John 15, 5. I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them, cast them into the fire, and they are burned. He's saying that as a branch owes its life to the vine. So we owe our life to him. The branch derives its energy and strength, stability from the vine. So life is a gift from God. Your natural life, the spiritual life, has always been a gift. We owe everything to God. 
we owe that ability to wake up in the morning, walk around, shower, that energy and power, and to do that, we owe all of it to God. And so, God rightfully, rightfully, has to have us use it for his glory. Because he gives us all of that. So now, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. You see how our life came. Jesus came. The Bible said life, this life is in him. We received him. He came into us, joined his spirit with our spirit. We become one spirit with him. And the life of Christ, like the vine, flowing in our spirit. Like the vine, flowing in our spirit. Like the vine, flowing in our spirit. The woman with the issue of blood said, if I touch him, I'll be healed. And we touched his, the hem of his garment. Life flew, moved, power moved from him and healed him. Passed into her and drove away the sickness. So how about we that Christ is living in, joined to our spirit? The same way that his life moves through our spirit, even touches our body. So we have this life because Christ is in us. Again, didn't pay for it. It is free. Your natural life, you didn't pay for it, it's free. Your spiritual life, you didn't pay for it, it's also free. Jesus paid for our spiritual life, paid for everything for us. It is freely given. You don't work for eternal life. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Having established that point so that you don't begin to think whether you have eternal life or you don't have eternal life. Hey, John said, I'm telling you this thing so you know you have eternal life. Then that helps you to know what you have. It helps you to understand what you have. Because sometimes the devil will make you think you don't have it. But you do have it if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't have to have any feelings. The gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have it. It is a gift. Life is a gift. So now let's look at the benefit of this life. We need to look at this life because, you know, when you tell people, oh, we receive life in Christ Jesus, we need to go further so that they understand how that life they received applies to their daily life, benefits them in their daily life. Otherwise, if you say we have received life, Christ gave us life. If it ends there, they may not really uh, experience the benefit that that life was intended to, to convey to them. So we need to go further to, to learn and look at the things that this, this, this life has brought us. The privileges it has brought us, the enablement it has brought us, is quite immense. It's quite immense that God lives in us. This one song that we used to, they used to sing when I was a child, you know, this, this youth fellowship people, they would say it's a surprising thing that God lives in me. And then they were singing it then, when I was a little child. But recently that song began to pop up in my spirit. He said, he said it, uh, uh, God lives in me. My God lives in me. He said it's a surprising thing that God lives in me. It should blow your mind. Brethren, this 
should blow your mind. If it doesn't, it hasn't registered in you. Just like grace, if, you, if grace has registered in you, you will find it amazing. You will find it mind-boggling. That God lives in you, it, 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 it ought to send spine, chills down your spine. I had a, a, a very popular preacher who was preaching 100 years ago, more than 100 years ago. He was talking about, he said, the day I discovered the greatness of my salvation. He said, he sent goose pimple all over me. Goose pimple all over me. You can imagine sitting in your room and Jesus walks in. You're not going to, it's not going to be the same. He walks in, look at him. Your hairs will stand up. Now he lives in me. This man said, it said, the thing changed the course of my Christianity on the spot. That God gave me his life. And it's not just his life. It's the same life that Jesus has. The same life. The same. Not, not less. No, the same. Jesus is not in me one quarter. Or God is not in me one quarter. Jesus is not in me three quarter. It's in me full. So let's look at the benefit of this. We now live in the highest spiritual authority that any creature can have. It elevated us to a place of awesome glory where we are sharing the glory of God with him. Why? Because he lives in us. He lives in you. Ephesians 2, 4, scriptures that we know, but we thank God that people are listening to us from outside the shoes. And like I said at the beginning, we get phone calls and they're very excited about what God is teaching. So we read these things so everybody will understand that. Ephesians 2, 4, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead, because of our sins. See what we said at the beginning? That Adam's sin brought us dead. We were all dead because of our sins. He gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Gift. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. It's only by undeserved merit of, of, of Christ that we get life. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ, because we have Christ in us. We can't sit anywhere else except where Jesus sits. Then Ephesians 1.19 tells us exactly where we are. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. That's what you and I who have Christ are seated in the place of honor. That's where we're seated. Like we said last week, no angel sits there. No other creature sits there. 
Man is the highest, most beautiful thing God created. Man is God's object of love. Verse 21. Now he is far above any ruler, authority, or power, or leader, or anything else. Come on. This is a complete list. If there's, if there's something that wasn't mentioned, he said anything else. That's why we are. Why? Because we have the life of God in us. We have Christ in us. That's why we're seated. That's why we're seated. You know, people get, we, we, we crave the supernatural so much that even false ones, we just eat it like, we just drink it. Anything that looks like supernatural excitement, you know, revelation. So I saw this. I saw, that's so wonderful, as long as they are real. But this truth supersedes all of that. This revelation that we're seated, where the Bible says we're seated, ought to register in your spirit. Peter said, that we saw Christ, we saw the cloud cover him with Moses and Elijah. We saw all that excellent glory. He said, but we have a more sure word of prophecy, the written word of God. In the beginning was the word, the word was God. All that dream and vision, none of it is God. The word was God. The testimony of the word needs to register in us. The problem with struggle with Christianity is that we take it casual. We, we joke with it. That's the most powerful thing God has done. The greatest demonstration of divine power is Jesus rising from the dead. It's not stopping the moon. It's not anything physical. It's the spiritual demonstration of the power of God over, over all other spiritual powers. He gave us a sample in Egypt where he taught them a lesson. And they said, this is the finger of God. In Christ, they saw the power of God. Christ, the power of God. That's where we're seated. If he registers in you, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, I'm telling you, I, I, you ought to really dance all day thinking, are you, am I there? Yes, you're there. Let me read that verse 21. Now he is far above any ruler, which means you too are far above any ruler. You too. And authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. Yep. And has made him head over all things for the benefit of you the church, and the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. So that gives us this privilege of being exalted by God to share in his glory through Jesus Christ and to live 
in spiritual dominion. In spiritual dominion. Hebrews 2, 6, we read it on Thursday, but it bears repeating. Because this place testifies what we just read. Hebrews 2, 6. But one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you are mindful of him? He said, this person understood this thing. He registered in him. He blew his mind. He blew his mind. He said, what is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than angels, like we said last week. That place is a little lower than God, because they were quoting Psalm 8, verse 5. You have crowned him with glory and honor. Yeah, because we are seated with Christ in heavenly places with God. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. We just read it in the book of Ephesians. We just read it. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for the benefit of the church, for our own benefit. It's not for his benefit, it's for our own benefit. Here again, it's being repeated. He said in verse 8, you have put all things in subjection under his feet, for in, in that he put all in subjection under his feet, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do see, we do not see yet all things under him for now. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might test death for everyone, bringing many sons to glory, bringing many sons to glory. We fell short of the glory, and Christ was brought back to the glory. Have you ever asked yourself, what is this glory? This glory is God's presence. This glory is God's life. Short of the glory of God, because we were in death, we were separated. So we were brought back to the presence of God. Brought back, that's where we were seated, with Christ, right there. We've been brought back to where we, Adam and God used to have fellowship, now we are brought back to intimacy with God. Brought back to glory. Verse 10. For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation, captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. Verse 11. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all one now. Joined to Christ, we become one with him. We are not separated from him. And this is an eternal arrangement. It's not a temporary thing. It's not temporary. That's why it's called eternal life. It's not temporary. And they said, he said, and for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praise to you. So let us even see what is under his control. Remember what we said, that the first thing we got is life, and then we're looking at what are the implications of this life we have? What are the implications, what are the benefits of this life to us? 
We saw now that we, are, we have been brought into glory. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places, in the highest place of spiritual authority. That's one thing this life has done for us, the presence of God in us, presence of Christ in us. Now, it says we have put everything under, under our feet. Let's, let's go one by one. We're trying to find out what the benefit of this life, because we say we have life, we have it more abundantly. If it stops there, believe you me, you will not, you will not experience the, the benefit of the life you have. So it's good to go and talk about it for more. So now, first thing we see that's under your control that you have authority over is sin. When people preach sins because they're ignorant of our salvation. Not only have we been saved from sin, sin was put under, excluded. And because we don't know that we struggle with sin, we talk about sin. But you know what Paul said? He said, this thing shouldn't even be mentioned among you as becoming sense. It's not expected to be mentioned because you are dwelling above it. Isn't that what scripture says? These things are not supposed to be mentioned among you. You know my mentor? Ah, I love that man. He passed away in 2003. He made a statement that blew my mind. He said, he said, I can't say that I have followed God 100%. He said, but I, I believe I follow God 90-something percent. I stood there. And I began to re- remember the things that God has told you. He said, if you hadn't been working with me, you wouldn't have experienced this. I did this because you are working with me. I did this because you are working with me. You have not parted fellowship with me. And God says, I'm looking for a man who will do my bidding. I'm, look, I'm not looking for somebody who come and teach me how to be God. Sin is under us. Because we, he hasn't registered that this is true. We're struggling with it. We don't have faith, believe it, for it to work. That's why you find Christians gossiping, gossiping, and they never stop. <laughs> stop. Anger tantrum. People in whom the love of God is, it's not controlling them. What went wrong? What went wrong? I've always asked, how many years does somebody go to church before he experiences these things? It was mommy, mommy, Wankwa. Um, she made a very wonderful statement. Ha, he said we should be gentle. Normally, naturally, gentle. And she spoke it again in Igbo. He said, Pastor, I interpret that. He said, that's the way a Christian should be. We are sheep. We're not liar. Sheep. Tender-hearted. Meek. Jesus said, if you learn nothing, learn of me. I'm meek and lowly. So that's my life. Sin is under our feet. 
people. And if you don't believe it, you're going to be struggling with it. Because all things are possible only to those who believe it. Look at scripture now. Romans 6, 14. For sin shall, shall not have dominion over you. Isn't it the word of God or is this a lie? For you are not under the law, but under grace. The life of God is in, he created us. He said, I've created to be like me. So you can now do what I planned. You can now do it. I put everything under your feet, everything. Once we talk everything, everybody thinks it's only Satan. No. Look at Romans 8.10. Now Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by him, verse 11. Yes, God raised Jesus to life. And since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise you, your dying bodies, to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. This spirit breathes life into you. Then verse 12. So then, so then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all. At all. He has put all things on our feet. And he said, whatever else, it's not, you didn't hear the name, it's under your feet. Seated with Christ, heavenly places. That's why the scripture says, what the Lord could not do, God sent Christ to do. Christ came to deal with the sin in the flesh, to, to give us the ability, the new life, to control the flesh. Verse 12. So then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all. And we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. For when you live, when you live controlled by the flesh, you are about to die. But if the life of the spirit puts to death, if the life of the spirit, if by the spirit of God, if by the power within you, you it's not even managing it. It's to knock life out of it. Push today the corrupt ways of this flesh. We then test his abandoned life in full. I'm thinking of this prophet that will visit a family and then we go. I mean, I think visit, you know, he was passing by and passing. And then they said, This man looks like a holy, that's the word they used, holy man of God. And then they made a room for him. And he came. And was passing the night there. And you could see the power that man. I asked the Lord one time, I said, why is it that these people, they, 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 they ministered in such power? Forgotten exactly what he answered me. But I understand that we are greater than them. If we understand what we are. The least in the kingdom is, the greater than, is greater than all those prophets. But at what capacity 
are we operating? Including me. Our capacity. You know, yesterday, I sat in my office yesterday. I, I was I, a little bit, you know, so I said to the Lord, you know, these things we're teaching, except you open our eyes. Except you do that, Lord. Except you do that. Except you do that. I, I had this. I don't know what to call it, but my heart was heavy in the office. Sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? God has put all things under our feet because we are joined to Christ. And the same thing Christ was doing on earth when he was there by his flesh, he continues to do through us by his spirit. The same. The, the, the life Christ has, God was in Christ. Isn't it the same life he gave us? Or did you read that he gave us half, one quarter, three quarter? The other thing is about choice. Number two, Satan, of course, is under your feet. <laughs> we just read it now. Let's read Ephesians 1.19, I think, again. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms, 21. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything, not only in this world, also in the world to come. Let me read it again. Now he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, including sin, anything else. Not only in this world, but, in the, in, in, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ. And we are members of his body. If I stand here, everything that is put under me, all my body is on top of it. If it's put under Christ, all his body is on top of it. Everything, including the devil, is under your feet. On our feet. Point is that when we, when we speak the word of God to the devil, if something doesn't happen immediately, we think it didn't work. <laughs> we just conclude nothing happened. And the same thing we do. Once we, once we start praying and bring down them, you know, we don't see something immediately. Ah, oh. <laughs> plan B, plan C. It doesn't work like that. Sometimes you have to give God time to work it out. You have to give some things time to resolve. Some things are instant. Some things are not instant. Some things are instant. Many things are not instant. 
Don't allow God time to resolve it while you stand in faith and in patience and thanksgiving. You speak to the devil, you're done. Go your way, it's done. It's done. Why? Because God says, at the name of Jesus, they bow. That's it. Who is behind that? It's God himself. If you do what God said, why will you not walk? Except that you walk by sight, go and be looking at whether, <laughs> whether, whether. Look at the example here, Acts 16, 16. And it came to pass, as we went to pray, a certain damsel possessed with, the spirit, with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her master's much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and Christ, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show up unto us the word of salvation. Is it not real? Is it not what they came for? When people say, Oh, they preach Christ too. You don't know the devil. You don't, you don't know that deceiver. It's a master deceiver. The Bible says he turns himself into a gentle of, of, of righteousness. That all his people do the same thing. He says it's not wonder because he's a deceiver. Look at what this girl is saying. So that when they leave, he will go to them and say, No, yeah, we're in the same thing. <laughs> we're in the same thing. 18. And this did she many days. <laughs> many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. That's what the church was given. The name of Jesus Christ. The savior of the world. The son of God. That's the name that God has exalted above every other name. There is no salvation in any other name. There is no. That's the name that Jesus gave us his name to use to deal with these powers of darkness. Came at that same hour. And look at what happened. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they called Paul and Silas and threw them into the market unto the rulers. Under our feet. I just remember very vividly when we went to plant a church in Adegule in Lagos. And then I didn't, I didn't even talk of Satan. I didn't bother about demons. I didn't even know what they were doing. The one Sunday morning, one woman came, sat in front. I still remember her very well. Sat in front. And then immediately we started worship. She ran. So because she ran, the ushers followed her and grabbed her. And then we took her to the side room and said, what is the problem? All she was saying, I told them, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it too. I told them, I know fit. I know fit, Dwambo. I told them, I know fit too. We said, what is this? Who? He said, the landlord's association hired her to come and kill me. And I said, what did, I, what did they say I did? They say, since you people came here, all their medicine is not working. All of it. I said, okay, what did you come to kill me with? Is it a gun or a knife? So she opened her bag and brought her. <laughs> I said, I said you, this your God is so powerless, you are carrying your God. If your God can't walk by itself, what, what can he do? I said, let's introduce you to the God that will carry you. 
she, did it, she was so afraid. She thought maybe we have a, a higher juju somewhere. This woman was, she couldn't stay. I said, let her go, let her go. I didn't even pray. Didn't even know what they were doing. I had, didn't have them in mind. Never talked about them. Didn't even know they existed. All we're doing is holding service, preaching about Jesus Christ, glorifying his name, preaching the gospel. There is power in the gospel. Because when you pronounce the name of Jesus, the power of Christ begins to spread. The light of the world begins to go. The Bible says we should know the greatness of the power that Christ has. So comparison with distance. Not. Christ, the power of the Almighty God. And I've had this experience again somewhere else in Lagos. You know, there's a lot of them. The most dangerous one of them. They said people avoid her. Her children run away from her. According to them, she, she dealt with many of them. Walked in to greet me. Even our choir people ran. Immediately, because they knew, I don't know her. They ran. What I had, but giddy, 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 giddy. I didn't even know it was because of that. I said, what's all this? And she came, sat down. And I said, you know, said one of the things she was saying. I said, okay, can we pray? He said, yeah, we pray. I said in Jesus' name. I didn't even, I, haven't even, I said in Jesus' name. Something carried her from there. All the way across that room, hit her at the wall like this. That's what, when all those choir people came back. <laughs> well, I thought, yeah, they wrong. They all came back, and then they started telling me about her. I didn't know anything. Nothing. Oh, boy. I've seen them. The one, another one came. Her own was something else, because she was operating in Lagos, and they were warning churches, and we didn't hear the warning. She came, sat right in front of me with a little girl. And then I said, can we pray? I said, I won't pray for you alone, you're a woman. So I called Caller to come up join me. So we took her to a prayer room. Immediately I say in Jesus' name, the same thing that happened happened again. Took her like boom, all over. Then we now saw why she packed the thing. It's a place I don't I can't even mention. That's why she packed everything. Before I left for America, she came physically to beg me to forgive her. If you see her, she wasn't, she was wasn't anything near what she used to be. She was begging me, say, please forgive me. I said, I don't even remember what you did. Brethren, this, this, when, when the Bible says something, that's true. There is no, I don't know how to put it, between you and demons and their kingdom, there is not even a struggle. They have been defeated by Christ already. Disarmed. May you be armed with the weapons of God. They have been disarmed. I can tell you the things that happened around here when we came here. And we saw example how to deal with them. Philippians 4, 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. What did we see? Paul said, in Jesus' name, come out. Paul said, what to say me do, do. 
the God of peace will be with you. Don't copy what people are doing. Follow Bible. There is deceit everywhere. Don't follow things that are not endorsed by Scripture. It doesn't matter everybody is doing it. Paul said again, the things which you had and received, learned and received and had and saw in me, this do and the God of peace will be with you. What did we see him do? We saw him now in Acts 16 in verse 18. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that same hour. That's what we saw. If you see another thing, I want to see it. That's what we saw. Christ is our sufficiency. We don't need any other thing. We don't need what else greater than Christ. What is greater than Jesus? Don't need any other thing. Mark 16, 17 to 18. And this sign shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out demons. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. All these things are coming because Christ is in us. Christ in us. And Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give unto you power to trade upon serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, all of it, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Do we read this? Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Oh, pastor, I, I, I dreamt and I, I, I ate in the, in the dream. So what? <laughs> what do you mean? I tell people, if you ate, ask for soda. Wash it down. And if they have cold water, wash it down. I don't care about stuff like that. The scripture says, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Which, who, who, is it God we believe or this junk people have spread everywhere? Is it God we believe? I say, if, if salvation registered in, registered in your spirit, your life will turn around. I was studying the hymns and the scripture that people wrote 200 years ago about salvation. Amazing. Amazing. They, they talked about it, say the thing that suits our soul. Amazing work that God did. He said, I will do a great work in your days that when they tell you, you may not even believe it. Don't travelize salvation, people. Don't do that. The Holy Spirit called it great salvation. In Acts 28, 3, but when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat, fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. But he shook off the creature into the fire, suffered no harm. Did you hear him pray? Did you hear him call, brother, brother, demonic attack, let's pray. Fire. All our enemies. Did you hear him do that? 
The Bible says, in quietness and confidence, you will return, possess your possession. Did you hear him do that? Be anxious for nothing. Did you hear him? Verse 6. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down dead. Why should they fall down dead? Jesus said, I live in you. My life flows through you. My spirit gives you life. You have antidote to everything. I say, even if you drink or eat any day later, we're not going to hurt you because I'm a life giver. I mean, you. We just read it. I'm a life giver. I said, my, my spirit breathes life into your being. Breathes life into your being. So they were expecting him to fall there. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their mind and said that he was a God. <laughs> you know, people can criticize you. Don't ever bother about criticism. Forget about it. it. What else is the devil supposed to be doing? They say, just don't reply. Love people, don't forget about it. Mind what, as long as you are doing what God wants, don't worry about it. All the things they call Jesus, they abused him, mocked him. At a point, they say, of a truth. <coughs> this man is the son of God. Jesus didn't reply, no, it was, it's not necessary. They, when they saw God move, they say, wow, this is the son of God. Of a truth. Of a truth. Because God has a way of saying, I'm doing this thing you are condemning. I'm doing this one I criticize. Stop. We waste our time on things we shouldn't waste our time. And then you waste that time talking. I just waiting. Adrenaline. Talking about anger and bearing resentment instead of loving the people. Let's see, he put the devil under us, he put sin under us, he put the world under us too. All things. First John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. It's not that you are going to have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you. See, the life we receive, that's in you. Than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore, Speak they of the word, and the word heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God, heareth us. He that is not of God, heareth us not. So why are you arguing? Quarreling. Hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Look at John 16, 33. I'm reading this from AMPC, Amplified uh, Classical. Or classics or whatever. I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence like we saw Paul demonstrate. In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer. <laughs> oh. Who is saying this? The Lord Jesus in whom there's no guile, no lie, no guile. 
no deceit. The truth of the word, eternally true. He says, in the world you have tribulation, trial, distresses, frustration, but be of good cheer. Take courage, be confident, certain, undoubted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Everything on our feet. Memorying your job is a waste of time. It's ignorance. Spending time on what you shouldn't spend. He told us, love your enemies. Love everybody. Leave them alone. He said, listen, they don't have power, anything to, to harm you. They don't, they, they don't have nothing. They can concoct meeting in their, your job, fire you, take the thing, bless the Lord. That won't harm you. Because God will open another door. Hey, is he not the owner of heaven? You, you do what he says, he will open another way. You earn better salary, sir. I've seen it happen in this church now. And I told the sister, I said, the fire do praise the Lord. He was looking at me. I said, yeah, the fire do. I said, if, 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 you, if, you, if God told you to resign, will you have resigned? They fired her. The other day she was telling me, she said, Pastor, if you know my salary now. <laughs> yeah. I said, remember when they fired you. All things work together for, for your good as long as you love the Lord. Period. I pass through things, situations too now. Who doesn't? Is anybody immune? Everybody does. But you have trust in the Lord. While you sleep, he goes to work for you. If you get up and start working, he stops. While you hand him over the thing, he goes to work for you. Sort out everything. Everything will be fine, fine, fine. There are things that are not looking good now. It doesn't mean winching. Sometimes it takes a while. Actually, there are things that it takes God a while to, to work it out for you. That's why I say you have need of patience after I've done the will of God. Look at the early church in Acts 4.13. Now, when they saw the boldness and unfettered eloquence of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and untrained in the schools, these are a bunch of ignorant people. And they were talking before the council of educated people, very educated, highly qualified people, scholars of the law, professors, spiritual authority at the time. When they saw the boldness and unfettered eloquence, talk of power. He said, I'll give you what your enemies cannot counter. Unfettered eloquence of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned, untrained in the schools, common men with no educational advantages at all. They marveled. Oh, when they see the life of Christ come out of you, when they see the power of Christ come out of you, they will marvel. You don't have to make it happen. You don't have to just live the normal life. They will marvel. And they recognized they had been with Jesus. <laughs> they finally said, what? Okay, we see where it's coming. They've been with Jesus. Yep. Number three, benefit of his life is that we now have the privilege of sonship 
sons of God and have, listen to this, the title deed to all the blessings of God in Christ. All of the blessings are legally yours. Freely given to you. You have Christ in you. Whatever belongs to him are legally yours now. You have the title deed. Christ in you. Look at Romans 8.15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit. You have the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, where he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him our father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. What is a heir? A heir is a person legally entitled to a property of his ancestors, his diseased parents, diseased on, legally entitled to it. It's his own. Legally entitled to it. That's a heir. An estate of the diseased. Legally entitled to it. There's no question of whether it's his own. He says, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory too. <laughs> Legally given to us, entitled. You have the title deed to all divine blessings. All the blessings of the kingdom. Jesus said, look, you have a right to know things of the kingdom. Everything about this kingdom is legally yours. Legally yours. The revelation in it, legally yours. Oh, no, but we beg and beg. And we beg and beg. We need to know what this life affords us so we can reach out and take them. Ephesians 1, 13. And now, you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we will praise and glorify him. The Holy Spirit guarantees you, the Spirit of Christ in you gives you guarantee that everything in that kingdom is yours. You are a heir of it because he died. That's what Paul was saying. He said, he said, you inherit things after the death of, the, of, 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 the, of somebody. Christ died and bequeathed everything to us after the church. Everything he owns with the Father. He said, all yours are mine. He bequeathed it to you. To us. Because he's in us, we have access to God. Unhindered, unfettered access to God. Ephesians 2.18, for through him, through him, through Christ, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners. Why? Because he has taken you as his own. But fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, 
and are built upon the foundation of the apostles, prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together, great unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are builded together for an habitation of God through his spirit. Because he lives in us. We become his address. Somebody went to Young Cho, he said, you, you introduce this God to me. He said, where is his address? He said, because in, their, in the religion they practice there, that every God has an address, and they have many of them. So this woman came, he said, I don't know the address of this God. And he went to God to ask, and the Lord said, the address is you, because you are a place of habitation for me. Tell her that my address is her, her heart in her spirit. I live there. That's true. He lives in you. So if, if God lives in you, why shouldn't you have access to God? Why? God lives in you. I mean, you won't have access to God. Come on. Are you kidding me? God lives in you. Christ lives in you. And you won't have access to God? Come on. He lives in you. John with your spirit. He lives in you. But you won't have access to, to, to God. Yet the spirit of God, the spirit of Christ, he joined to your spirit, hasn't left, he stayed there. But you have access to God. Come on. We don't understand salvation. If we do, if he registers in you, you go boldly, go confidently, and expect to receive what you ask. The Lord will help us in Jesus' name. So we'll continue along this line uh, after, whenever it's my turn again to preach this. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for what you shared with us. Like we prayed, we thank you because, Lord, you caused this to penetrate. It has to penetrate every year. We asked it, we received it, we give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.